The creators of this podcast would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which it is recorded. Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people are the first storytellers of this land. We pay respect to their elders, past, present and emerging, as well as any Indigenous people who may be listening today. This podcast is a TOEFOP production. Head to TOEFOP.com for more. The following episode of TOEFOP is rated MA for mature audiences. It may contain sexual references, time travel references, allegations of bin misconduct, and mild coarse language. TOEFOP advises that this episode is not suitable for anyone under the age of 15 or anyone who thinks a comedy conversation between two old mates sounds like a terrible idea for a show. Minors must be accompanied by a parent or guardian. This is John Deke speaking. Everyone relax, this is Tofop. I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Will Anderson. Hello and thank you for watching. And uh, Will, this is uh, The Forgotten Project. <laughs> We're going to open because we've intended to do that the last two episodes and we got distracted by other stories and, and didn't get around to the whole premise. That's what it actually, you know what, it shouldn't be called The Forgotten Project. It should be called The Distracted Project <laughs> because that's the actual truth. It's not like we forget what we're talking about. I mean, we eventually forget what we're talking about, but it is through a process of constant distraction. It's not like we're just talking about a topic and then the two of us are like, so, uh, what else has been going on? What's your name? What do you do for a living? It's the threads. We get caught up in the in the minutia of certain stories and those threads. It breaks off into the multiverse. Just keep pulling at threads. Tofop, pulling, pulling at, at threads. threads. <laughs> Proudly pulling at threads for 12 years. Oh, speaking yeah. of which, uh, well, I'm going to yeah, pull gone. at a thread yank, before we just yank jump away. into the... Uh, I'm going to yank away. Yank is a good word because uh, we have spoken, and in fact, recently on this podcast, we've spoken about the fact that uh, the inspiration for this show was a show called Smodcast with Kevin Smith and his producer, br- producer Scott Mosier. And I think we've both also talked about the fact that we haven't really been dipping ever since Smodcast stopped being a regular thing. Um you know, Kevin Smith has a bunch of other projects, but the two of us haven't really dipped into too many of those. And particularly, there was a time in early podcasting where I remember going to see his late Red State podcast oh, live right, at the Smodcast. You know. Yeah, I was probably like his biggest <laughs> fan for a while. I think there's one episode you listen to, you, doesn't Justin ask a question yeah. or something? Justin asks a question and you can definitely hear me laugh in different episodes. People have like, occasionally I do get somebody going, hey, did you go to the, and I'm like, yeah, that is definitely me. And uh, so I I was thinking, reminded about how much I love those times living in LA, you know, particularly when Justin was there, Mm. you know, we'd go to the, you know, the weed shop and get an edible and then go and sit and listen to Kevin Smith talk about this film that he was making. It was just a fun thing to do, right? So, um, oh, hang on, Toddy. So, um, uh, anyway, I haven't, haven't listened to a lot of Kevin Smith, um, recently, but, uh, I had a long drive today. Mm. Um, we're off the back of me being in the car for 10 hours and about to record uh, for another two. My dog, (laughs) (laughs) my dog is also barking a lot in the house, which I might have to do something about in the minute. No, I know you can't, but our neighbors definitely will be able to. So. Um, and look, she hasn't been in this house for a little while, so hopefully she'll calm down. But uh, um, anyway, I, I needed something for the long drive, and I have completely exhausted my supply of both Are Yeah Dude and Never Not Funny. I had not planned for this long drive, so I'm like, you know what? I've got to dip back into some other podcasts that I haven't listened to for a while. And I scanned around, and just nothing was – I was like, I need a long-form conversation, something that you can concentrate on driving, but, you know, it's engaging enough – and I've got some audio books and I was like, nah, I'm not going to be able to concentrate hard enough. I'll miss stuff. And then, you know, you have to, re- anyway, that's, that's, I've got to find something. So there was a Avengers style, Marvel style team up. You know how you can't watch a Marvel film or Marvel TV show these days without like at least Wong's <laughs> going to turn up. At the very least, you're going to see someone's Wong, watching She Hulk. Like, I need, <laughs> <laughs> or you know, multiverse yeah. of madness, or like other Wong-related properties. I feel like they ask, they have a list, and like Wong's the guest that lives close <laughs> to the studio, who's always available. Yeah. 
Like, you know, Wong is very much my Justin when it comes to faux faux. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you know, like you like to sprinkle some of the other bigger stars in, but you know that Wong is available and reliable. And the great thing about Wong is everyone's happy when Wong yeah. turns up. Like there's never been a person where like nobody finds Wong wrong. They've taken out the R, people love Wong. So I needed this. I needed some sort of Avengers style team up and I found it. And it was Kevin Smith, spoilers, obviously. You knew it was going to be Kevin Smith. It was Kevin Smith being interviewed by Pete Holmes ah. on his uh, podcast. And I used to listen to Pete Holmes' podcast all the time and really like the way he looks at the He's world. And I was like, oh, this would be fun. This is this would be interesting because they're both really philosophical dudes. They're both long-form podcasters. And it was long-form. It was like three-plus mm, hours. So great. perfect, right? And at the start... It's really funny because it's two people who clearly know if they can get into the groove, this is going to be great. But it's almost like they're two friends that everybody's like, oh, you've got oh yeah, to you're going to get on blah, so blah, blah. well. You are so well. You've got like so much in common. And then finally they're there in the same room and they're, yeah. they, want, they want it to work. They, they, they're invested as well. Like both of them are like, I think this is going to work out really well. But because at the start they're both trying so like – the amount that they're just jumping on. So they don't know. They don't know each other. They don't know each other. Right. No. Yeah. Okay. No. But they know about and of each other. You know, they have an like probably Pete has more awareness of Kevin, but Kevin definitely has an awareness of who Pete is and had done some research and watched like Pete's videos of like the Batman stuff and and Pete does heaps of yes. geek culture stuff. Like you might know him from the Batman, the Batman spoofs and. Uh, uh, he does like a whole X, X-Men um, series as well. So you'd imagine those two guys are very well calibrated to kind of get along. I mean, I'm, I think they yeah. should meet. In fact, I'd be one of those guys like, oh, wait, you guys should definitely get together. They're also two people who grew up in like with a bit of religion in their life and have like drifted away from the strict dogma, if no, you nice. will, of the religion to then be invited into the world of like, I guess, pop philosopher, you know, they're both people who like to talk about, you know, what life is about and what the world is about and what is important. And I mean, they're both thread yankers <laughs> and there was a lot of yanking of threads like in this conversation. I love it. Um, but one of them related, uh, well, so what I would say at the end is walked away from it, then just wanting to listen to heaps more Kevin Smith and heaps more Pete Holmes. So it was great. It got to, they got into a groove and then it was, very funny. They had good running bits. They were like really, it was a really fun chat. And Kevin Smith has this propensity to try to interview the interviewer as mm. well. So like it was a really good back. Can I forth. ask, because this is one thing that happens yes. now when I try and listen to Kevin Smith things, especially if it's someone new, is I've listened to so much Kevin Smith. We listen to so much Kevin Smith. I know mm. 90% of his anecdotes. So whenever I hear him chatting to someone new, I'm like, Oh, this is a story of Sundance. Oh, this is a story of when Jay Muse did this. Oh, this is a, was there much of that going on? Yeah. Oh, amazing. Well, I mean, icing on the cake, if anything, right? right? Like themes that were very Kevin Smith-esque mm. themes, but because Pete Holmes isn't really interested in that, he wants to talk to him about life. But also, of course, Pete has these little obsessions and some of them interact with Kevin Smith's world. So Pete Holmes loves Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, <laughs> right. but, but particularly is fascinated by Ben Affleck. And I guess because of some of the Batman stuff as well, like Ben Affleck is just one of those people that is absolutely on his radar. And of course, we forget that Kevin Smith was like a co-executive producer on Good Will Hunting. Yeah. Like they were the BFFs. They were like... They were the, they were in the in the late nineties. I remember, and I've been trying to find this clip on YouTube. They presented an award at like the MTV Movie Awards. It was Kevin Smith and Ben Affleck, and the joke of the bit, their banter, was that um, they said, "Ladies and gentlemen, Ben Affleck and Matt Damon," and out comes like little schlubby Kevin Smith. Oh, yeah. Great. And Ben Affleck's like, what the hell's going on? Where's Matt? And he's like, no, it's me. It's Matt. I'm your best mate, Matt, Matt. And like, and Ben's like, you're not, Matt. This is ridiculous. No one's buying this. And Kevin's like, well, we need to do something. We need to do something to, to get people's attention. So Ben Affleck grabs him and fully pashes him on the lips. <laughs> and it was like such a great bit. And I, I always remembered it because I'm like, oh, those two look like best friends. Like you can only do that with your best friend. But then I never saw it again. 
Well, as Kevin Smith says, the first person who cast him in a lead, the first person who took him from being the sort of bad boy in movies to being like a romantic lead. Lady man, yeah. He lives, of course, has lived in the, for the last 20 years in a house he bought from Ben yeah, Affleck. He sold to, I know so, this story too. He sold to him for a really good price. Yeah. So that's the icing. You would have heard you would have heard that story yeah. before. He lived in it until he could afford yeah. it. You would yeah, have heard yeah, that one before. Right. But so uh are they still friends is the question. And the answer to this question also comes straight into the Tofop world and answers a question that we posed on this very very podcast a few weeks ago. So uh I ask you the question, are Ben Affleck and Kevin Smith still friends? Uh, so answer yes. that first. Do you believe they're yes, still they friends? Are. Yes. And what is the proof that they are still friends? Uh, well, when he did uh, the Jane Silent Bob reboot, he reached out to mm. Ben. He texted a number that he wasn't even sure was still Ben. I know this story <laughs> was still Ben's. No, okay. So that is a story you know, but I'm going to cut okay. you off because – that is not the story. Oh. Think more recent. What's something that's oh, happened? Oh, he got in invited to J Lo's wedding. He got invited to Ben Affleck and, and J Lo's wedding. That's a step up. That's a real step up because apparently Kevin Smith, Jennifer Garner was not a fan of Kevin Smith. He talked about that quite openly uh-huh. that one, Ben was married to Jennifer Garner. She did not like the cut of his jib, didn't like the way Kevin spoke to him, didn't like their kind of banter. And he felt like, she sort of advised Ben, you know, if you want to be taken seriously, you got to move away from that that dude from Jersey. <laughs> that, that guy in the, the jorts. jorts and the hockey it's jersey. Not good for your. You could be an Oscar-winning director. <laughs> yeah, there's a bit of big red circle with a line through it and some jorts <laughs> that Jennifer just put up one day. <laughs> no hockey jerseys in this house. I'm not saying Kevin can't come over. I'm just banning jorts and hockey jerseys from the house. So if Kevin wants to come over, he can still come over. So did he talk about the wedding uh, itself? Well, he would have. So he didn't reveal. Didn't he, he would have cast yes. both of them. J Lo, in Jersey Girl. She's like she's yes, like an Jersey anonymous cameo. She's not billed. She's got a cameo. So he would know both of them. Makes sense. Okay, so tell me this then. Um, uh, he did not reveal a lot from the wedding, but he did speak about something that we touched on a little bit, which was the nature of the speeches. Oh, yeah. And like whether Matt Damon, he, now he did not reveal whether Matt Damon did a best uh, man speech, which was very disappointing. disappointing. I was like, come on, Pete, ask, <laughs> ask the question, ask the question that we need answered. Who was the best man? Was it Casey? Was it Matt? We need to know who it was. It was not Kevin, put it yeah. that way. Um, but uh, he did say, that Ben Affleck wrote a huge speech, like a proper, like, you know, because Kevin was talking about just like being impressed with what a great writer he was and like his performance and the way he put his words together and apparently did this incredible. So we were talking about the idea of do you play it down or do you lean into, you know, your skills and your chops and your idea that you are performers. So if anybody's going to nail this speech at their wedding, then it's going to be you. Well, the answer to that question is that apparently Ben had done work. <laughs> that's all. That's interesting. That's that. I find that whole the yeah. fact that that sort of plays out in public too. Like, I think one of the great things about Kevin Smith, and even though I don't really tune in to a lot of his work anymore, um, like I, you cannot fault his like honesty. The fact that he takes his like his audience or the public through. The the making of a friendship and the loss of a friendship and then the winning back of that friendship. Like he documented all of that on social media. Like when he revealed that Ben Affleck was going to be in Jay and Silent Bob rebooted, he posted a photo and then wrote this really long Kevin Smith type post about, you know, how them how the relationship came, came together and then how they moved apart and how he was, you know, felt like maybe that, but now his boyfriend was back and it was just like, I mean, I guess if you're going to be a friend with him, you have to, like his wife, for instance, must have realized early on that my vagina is going to be talked about a lot in public. Our sex life and my vagina will be a frequent topic of conversation on any form of media that he does. Like, do you remember there was an episode of Smodcast where it was a live show, it was a recording of one of their live shows, and Kevin Smith just told some story about having sex with his wife. 
And then he asked Scott, had you had like a similar experience? And Scott said, no. And Kev's like, why did you ever say anything? It's like, well, because you get up on stage and say, I licked my wife's asshole. And then you know, what am I going to say? Like after that, there's, there's no room for two of us to get up and start talking like that. Well, it's funny you mentioned that specific thing because he oh. does <laughs> talk about, because Pete references, he goes, well, you're the guy who talks about jerking off to your wife's asshole. And he actually says, I don't anymore. She asked me not to. He goes, well, I still do it. I just don't talk about it anymore. Uh, I'm going to have to listen to that. Was yeah. that a recent one or did you dig around? No, it was actually, it was pretty recent. I reckon he must have been, a, I, it was probably when he was on the plug for the new Clerks film. The new Clerks. Yeah. Yeah. Because I saw he did um, uh, Late Night with Seth Meyers recently. Kevin Smith did. So he must be on the on the publicity trail. Um, well, that's good. That's something I'm, I'm going to. I've got a lot of time this week, so I'm definitely going to store podcasts. But will we are going to talk about the Forgotten Project, and I'll start with a short, brief one. This is actually one of our more recent Forgotten Project requests. Okay, uh, this came through on the gram at Tofop uh, from Andrew. Says, "Hey Charlie, I've got a Forgotten Project topic. Did well, will well, did well, will did will ever do his Survivor podcast?" Out will outplay outlast. So I never did. We got we got as far as getting artwork done. There is a James Fosdyke. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. Artwork man. That's for like the cool episode merch. that does exist. Um, and I must admit that if my like I have no room in my world at the moment for anything extra. Um, <laughs> but Survivor is back in a week. Well, it will have been back uh, for a couple of weeks by the time people hear this. But. Uh, I must admit that there was like a stirring in the podcasting loins <laughs> as I was uh, considering the fact that there was a new season of Survivor coming up. What I need to do is make a list of like other comedians or like celebrities or whatever, that people that would come and talk about Survivor with me because I can't just do it by myself and I don't think it's fair to rope in like another person to do every week of an entire Survivor series. Like, I know a few people. Like, I know Hamish Blake apparently is a huge Survivor fan. James Colley, who's the head writer on, like, my various TV projects, loves Survivor. Um, but I would love to know. is like, who who out there loves Survivor? Who would Who is a comedian or an entertainer who loves Survivor who you'd like to see here? Maybe I could do a... Uh, maybe I could do, like, a faux-fop episode that was like a survivor, like survivor thing. Okay. Faux fop episode. This is what I'm sort of discovering is great about faux fop. When I said, Hey, Will, why don't we just like share the faux fopping duties? Because I, like you, have often thought, Oh, you know, maybe this could be a show or maybe that could be a show. And what I've realized with faux fop is I'm starting That's to what reach. Faux fop is. Yes. Yeah, it's just a bunch I, I'm just trialing shows. shows. Yeah. Like, so I'm doing my movie show yeah. with Guy Davis, um, mm. uh, uh, Ben McClay, uh, Thomas Violence on Twitter. He's coming back on. We're going to talk about ghosts because I want to do a show about the supernatural. <laughs> so, like, I'm, these yeah. are all my, I'm just recording these little pilots. And then I think once I feel like they, you know, they build up enough, I can spin them off. But I just need to well, make sure that they work first. But you don't even need to spin them off necessarily. Like, I kind of like that that's what faux fop is. I mean, Dave and I have done, like, probably 100 plus episodes of yeah. faux fop together, which is just, you could take it out of the feed and just make it its, its own entire. Dave fop. Yeah, right. Dove fop. That's what we like to yeah. call it. But, like, Justin the same and Gareth and Jen and, yeah, some of those regular people have done heaps of episodes. And all of them are very unique to – there's nothing that kind of connects them to the Tofop universe apart from me, right? And the yeah. same with yours. The thing that connects yeah. them to that universe is you. But it's, it's almost the best way to do a, a regular podcast, which is, like, Let's just do it every four or five weeks. <laughs> 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 or you know what? We might not do an episode for six months and then three in a row. That's just the way we roll. Uh, so this uh, came into us uh, from someone who calls themselves Abraham Lincoln. Um, I mean, look, I'm assuming they call themselves Abraham Lincoln. Um, but their email, oh, no, can, I give, you, can I give their email? Can I say what? this? Well, can I... You watch epic rap battles yes. in history. Do you ever yeah, watch? Yeah. Right. So you ever watch the political ones where the running joke is that Abraham Lincoln flies on in a giant eagle at the end on the eagle, <laughs> yeah. and then like the last line is always him summoning the eagle and then being carried <laughs> yeah. off. That is one of my favorite tiny little running jokes. <laughs> like, like I, it, often I will actually go to one of those videos and skip through to the end just to see him go eagle and be taken off by an eagle. What's your favorite? 
favorite epic rap battle? I've got two. One is the beat. I just love the beat. And I actually could just listen to that looped beat. And the other one is my is my actual favorite, most memorable one. Uh, oh, I like. Um, oh, what's the? Uh, oh, I, you know, there's a Christmas um, one, like a Scrooge. Is it Donald Trump and Scrooge? I, think I that reckon sounds it's Donald right. Trump. Yeah, Donald Trump before he was like Donald. President Donald yeah. Trump. Like, in fact, played by the, a different, the other guy, like the the main sort of. Nice I don't Peter. Know what their Epic are. Lloyd and Nice Peter. Yeah. yeah. So Epic Lloyd's the, the kind of shorter one. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So he he went on to play Trump when he was like, like in politics, he did most. But it's it's actually Nice Peter playing Trump, and then like you, uh, Scrooge gets visited by all the various ghosts of Christmas, like past, present, future, whatever. But they're all doing their own individual raps. So I reckon that one is. It's it's like next level. I'm like, oh, this is cool. This is like a thing inside a thing. Like, I enjoy that one a lot. Yeah, I, I love uh, Key and Peele as Muhammad Ali versus Michael Jordan. Oh, so good. And it's one of the, it's two of the best impressions you'll ever see. Because look, you know, no offense, uh, Nice Peter and Epic yeah. Lloyd, like great rappers and funny comedians <laughs> yeah. and stuff. But sometimes the impressions are a little ropey. But then Key and Peele are just fucking like outstanding. Like, I, I mean, I, I still remember it's what is it? here comes Jordan, big lip trembling. <laughs> it's just so great. And then there's a horrorcore one they do with um, it's Jack the Ripper taking on Hannibal Lecter, and it's just the beat oh, yeah. of that gets stuck in my head. It's so yeah. good. But then I think my favorite one is the director's one, where it starts off it's Alfred Hitchcock versus Steven Spielberg. Oh, Steven then Spielberg. Then Tarantino yes. comes in, and then final yes. Michael Bay is. It's all about motherfucking yeah. money. <laughs> <laughs> that, I mean, again, the ones where they go beyond what you the initial brief is. Yeah. The one I find, tell me how you feel about the one. So for people that don't know what Epic Rap Battles of History is, it's a like a long-running YouTube comedy series with like a couple of main like rappers who do it, like Nice Peter and Epic Lloyd, but then a kind of a guess. broader cast yeah. of people. Like come Snoop Dogg. In. Did you think that was weird that Snoop Dogg? Okay. So this was okay. literally the issue I was going to raise. So for the agenda today on Epic Rap Battles of History, how did you feel when Snoop Dogg himself appeared in the Epic Rap Battles? Did you feel like that was like crossing the lines? Like it was I a did. demarcation <laughs> thing? Yeah, I did. I, too, felt, I, think. I felt And like- I love Snoop. Well, okay. I felt so excited when I saw it was going to happen. And then when I watched it, I was like, I don't know how I feel about this. Because I thought the same thing about Snoop Dogg. But then I was, uh, I, I thought with the Ken Peel one, it's like if you think of Epic Lloyd and Nice Pete or Epic Rap Battles as being, they're YouTubers, right? That's essentially what they are. They're not necessarily professional comedians. Or I'm not really sure what their background is, but they're YouTubers. And so you could sort of conceivably say, well, they're amateurs. They're not, you know, it's kind of adjacent to comedy. It's not real comedy. And then you get like two huge comedy stars like Ken Peel doing. I'm like, okay, well, that's almost like they're anointing it. They're sort of saying, yeah, this is worthy of, you know. So then I guess you could apply the same logic if it was anyone other but Snoop Dogg. <laughs> because as we know, that Snoop Dogg would do fucking anything if you give him anything. enough money. <laughs> anything. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, speaking of uh, crossing the streams when it comes to YouTube content, uh, so pitch meeting, which is one of my other uh, regular. You and I have this. I you and I think have the same subscription tabs on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, probably. So um, for the pitch meeting three hundredth episode, um, so I fucking this? just the watched honest, this last night. <laughs> the honest trailer. <laughs> I'm like, we are like, Pete. So we are Pete Holmes and Kevin this Smith. This is Pete Holmes and Kevin. Smith. <laughs> I mean, it's almost 300 out of 400 episodes we've done. Like. <laughs> but I did literally watch that last night. Uh, yeah. Anyway, what a what a thrill. Two, two great tastes that taste great together. Um, okay, so where were we? So this was submitted by someone who calls himself Abraham Lincoln. And yeah. there Yeah, but I feel like I want to give the email address away. Because I think it might be fake. Well, don't give the um, provider. Okay. Make up a AOL or Hotmail. Oh, but I kind of have to or tell you the still... whole thing. Oh, here's oh, what okay. I'll say. Okay. Mm-hmm. I think it must be. Uh, he's... Here's what I'm willing to say. Yeah. It's not 
Abraham Lincoln. Okay. <laughs> and I doubt, I doubt that is. I doubt that it is. You know is. what? It doesn't matter. <laughs> His email pretty much says it's Abraham Lincoln. I don't know why I was grappling with that so hard. Okay. Anyway, he's ended this video. And it's about this lifelike, lifelike animatronic Abraham Lincoln. So it's okay. a bit of a long clip. So we can just skip through to the to the bits. I wanted. I have watched ahead. So um, it's some kind. Of, this is another YouTube show, and they're like, "Hey, animatronics, like Beyond Two Thousand, but for animatronics." Okay. So they're going to take us into this warehouse. And uh, so let's just scrub ahead, shall we? All right, here we go. This is so. Will you are looking at the animatronic Lincoln? Okay. So what do you think so far of what you've seen of that weird looking Lincoln? Well, are you going to suggest at any stage that it is that animatronic Lincoln that has contacted us, no. like trying to get some press? No. Like, is there a chance that if the like email address is saying, you know like, what has it's, has this animatronic shit. become sentient? And sent I think you might email? be right. I mean, not exactly that <laughs> that this yeah. animatronic Lincoln, but. Because I'm just looking at the email again, yeah, and it, it, it's almost like um, a bot because it's yeah. there's no all it is the subject it's generic the subject line right. it just says you've probably seen this before, okay. and then there's no message it's just a YouTube link so I think it's a bot yeah from it's absolutely a bot okay this isn't so from I can, one of our so listeners. I can this so, is no. from a bot who's trying to spread we've been infiltrated by AI in the form of Abraham Lincoln well I can give you his web address now because I don't feel so bad you absolutely it's can, Abraham yes. at Lincoln.com. <laughs> Which oh, one? Yeah. That's well, what was confusing. Yeah. Warning, me. red flag. By the way, I'm going to send you a fake CBA link tomorrow that you should click on. <laughs> I mean, come on. All right, let's watch this fake Abraham. So, yes. for people watching, it is a terrifyingly lifelike animatronic Lincoln. I think he's going to talk. Here we go. I'm Lincoln animatronic. So, I'm here today to meet with Mr. Garner Holt himself and look at that Abraham Lincoln animatronic to see how it works. I can't wait. Something bad we can't explain. Magic is something good that we can't figure out how it works. Garner Holt Productions is in the business. Of okay. So now the host of the show is talking to the creator of it and Abraham Lincoln, the bust, the animatronic bust of Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> his head is lolling about. His eyes are opening and closing. His jaw is twitching. Like a friend of yours has taken really strong molly. Like has just dropped three red Mitsubishis in a row. I don't know if this qualifies as uncanny valley. But it is unnerving seeing this almost lifelike animatronic lol as the host is talking. Well, here's what I will also say is that, I mean, I guess Lincoln's- <laughs> Look at that like, fucking thing. I mean, I would have liked them to recreate him post like Night of the Theatre. <laughs> So I would like to see a bullet hole in the head is what I'm saying. Kill it. I don't know if Booth got him in the head, but kill it, yeah. We've got to get an animatronic John Wilkes Booth and we've got to get him here as soon as possible. I mean, it's weird too that like, so they have obviously, um, it's got, I'm assuming it has like th thousands of little like, you know, uh, cogs and wheels and, you know, things yeah. that make the, 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 the muscles and skin move in the face because it's really got a lot of expressions. But they had to model it on something, right? Like uh, they don't have records of what Lincoln's face looks like. So they've just kind of approximated from a photograph and recreated this face. Or did an actor come in and have that mould put over their face? It's Daniel Day-Lewis. <laughs> he does. He's real it's ugly. Daniel Day-Lewis. He's, he's reprising his role. He's come in. No, no, he's, it like, looks like Daniel day it looks like the host is giving him a handjob. <laughs> I mean, he can't be because there Look. is no genitals attached to this bust. It is only shoulders and head. So he can't be giving him a handjob. Unless they've also, like, it's robot, 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 but then Just artificial penis as well. Just <laughs> hanging there. If James Fosdyke was to design an animatronic Lincoln, it would be just a bust and then nothing. Robot, 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 penis. Uh, he kind of looks a bit like Johnny Cab from Total Recall. You remember that, the cab driver in Total Recall? I do. On Johnny Cab. Um, yeah, that is uh, incredibly creepy. I guess that was sent in by the bot because he knows you like Westworld. <laughs> I guess. 
I, I guess like there's a bot that just contacted all the podcasts in the hope that this content would be talked about and we'd fallen into their animatronic trap. Well, this is the, so now we're in the animatronic workshop where we see all the heads of the robots. And in the background, can you see that? Does that look like animatronic Eric Idle? <laughs> Oh my god! Are they making an animatronic Monty Python? Is Maybe. that what they're trying to do? They're trying to get who's that? The gang back together. Oh, that looks like animatronic Ben Kingsley. It does. Yeah. Okay. They're remaking Gandhi as well. Gandhi. So that's or sexy based. Very Gandhi looking. All their favorite well, British like... actors. That turning. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow! I so... mean, wow! This is what I guess they do in America. Like we don't have theme parks like you do in America. Like, I mean, there's a Ben Franklin we're now looking at. I think that's a book of tea. That's Harry and the Hendersons. <laughs> Sasquatch. <laughs> uh, but you know what I mean? Like Americans have the resources yeah. and the time and the public, yeah. the market for creepy animatronic. I just think of, you know, me going to the Glen Rowan Hotel and mm. watching that Ned Kelly experience, which is yeah. just like they projected faces onto mannequins holding guns and that was like, <laughs> That was the Ned Kelly show. And then you look at this, like, you know, industrial light and magic animatronics. It's just Americans love this shit, don't they? I mean, it's not like we don't have the capabilities in Australia, you know, or or at the very least, you know, New Zealand. Mm. Like, you know, Go to in this part of the world, some of the best. Yeah, you could get Wetter in. Do you, do you reckon Wetter get those sort of requests? Yeah. Is there a chance that Glenn Rowan has ever rung up Wetter and said, look, <laughs> Yeah, our Ned Kelly just like in this modern world, we're just not bringing it anymore. Projecting some faces onto mannequins with guns is just not what the kids want these days. We need to upgrade, like, to some wetter style animatronics. Do they ever get that request? Is there somewhere like down, like in the same way as like when we ask advertising agencies on Gruen to do the pitch? Often the people who are working on the big campaigns, they're not like coming to do that. They'll be like, oh, we've got these junior creatives. We've got these like, you know, that we want to give like experience. It's like basically they get to give them a test run of how they would work on an actual campaign in something that doesn't have the same stakes, but still has some stakes, you know? So for them, is there a chance at Weta, there's like a group of young, ambitious, you know, like people there that they would just be like, you know what? You guys just like, you can handle Ned Kelly and Glenn Rowan. I think so. I, I, I was thinking more because it's New Zealand, like, you know, how, how all these millionaires are buying up, the billionaires oh, are buying yeah, up like true. bunkers. Yep. Like maybe that's where it's more that that's more your kind of Westworld sort of dystopian crossover where, where it's like I'm going to pay you to re, like create me a body that I can regenerate. I'm going to we're working around the clock to download my consciousness. I want to live forever. Where to create me a, a Jeff Bezos body that I can just you know um, uh, 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 last forever a titanium Bezos body. <laughs> well, no, so I don't think that Bezos is going to settle for something this amateurish, right? Like, yeah, that's going to be this real sort of regenerative. Like, he wants to feel like a real human being, right? But right. you can't spend that sort of money on everyone. And the problem with living forever is that, like, it's no good if you're the only person who's living forever. You've got to surround yourself by, with other people. What's the per- point of, like, living forever if, if there's, you know, no one else around to share it with? But clearly you can't be investing those billions into every single person. So I imagine he picks a few people, like a few key, like, you know, close circle where he's like, I'll, I'll also get you in at my level. You know, maybe like yeah. his partner or children or something like that, where he's like, these are the people I want to grow old with. But then after that, you're really just filling out the bunker. And even like servants and guards, like, you know, like Jeff Bezos doesn't want to like suddenly have to learn how to make his own breakfast. Like he needs yeah. someone to be doing that. So this is where I think you, and like, who would Jeff Bezos want? He's like, well, you know what? I've got to have a butler. You know who yeah. I want my butler to be? Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> so, you know what I mean? Like, so this is what I imagine they're doing. He's like, I want my bed turned down every night by Benjamin Franklin. That's what I want. Yeah. <laughs> you know who I love? Ben Kingsley. He's my butler. <laughs> Monty Python shall do the garden. <laughs> yeah, right. The only one I like was Eric Idle. That's, get rid of the rest. Uh, this was sent in by Glenn Foster back in January of last year. Um, 
He says, hey guys, uh, I just happened to be listening to episode 235, Incrospective, today, when you were discussing how Russell Crowe was not taking himself so seriously anymore, resulting in a new, warm, fuzzy, lighthearted Rusty, his Twitter bants, who's all about Twitter bants, um, and blah, blah, blah. Uh, yeah, I, I, I agree. Like, new, cuddly Russell Crowe championing social causes and being funny on Twitter and uh, still doing, I will always retweet whenever he does well, one, heart at the time, one Heart at a Time uh, repost to someone discovering one of his films, I'm always retweeting that shit. Um, well... I have now watched his performance as Conda Zuzera uh, in <laughs> uh, in that horrible mess of a movie that was uh, Love and Thunder, which I will say, I guess my expectations had been lowered because I'd heard from people that it wasn't amazing. I liked it. I liked it a lot. It's a mess of a movie, but just as a series of scenes vaguely held together, it's super entertaining. Like... Um, but Russell Crowe's performance is one of the most outrageous things. <laughs> like, it, it, it borders very much on the edge of being absolutely racist. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine my surprise when back in the present day, I came across a Guardian article which described Rusty's recent Twitter attack on a user who had the gall to label his film Master and Commander as a remedy for insomnia. Rusty retorted, that's the problem with kids these days. No focus. Peter's Weir, Peter Weir's film is brilliant. An exacting, detail-oriented, epic tale of fidelity to empire and service. Regardless of the cost, incredible cinematography by Russell Boyd and a majestic soundtrack. Definitely an adults-only movie. Ooh. <laughs> Rusty. Mean, it's not particularly Turns harsh, is it, though? Like, I mean, what was the headline? Well, what was the intro into this? Uh, that they said it was a master and commander is a remedy for insomnia. Yeah, but what what did the article say that did Russell Crowe shut them down or get into a Twitter spat? Yeah, do or? you want me to get? Oh, well, I've got the link here. Do you want me to read it? Okay, okay. So this is uh, by Stuart Heritage. Uh, when film stars attack, Russell Crowe's reaction to criticism could set a trend. The actor's unexpected response to a complaint about an 18-year-old film could pave the way for more big-name actors oh. to personally insult Twitter users. Okay. Oh, fuck. All the right. children. Why not somebody open, think of the children? the floodgates. It's a slippery slope. <laughs> Holy shit. One of the most surprising new avenues to a forum for celebrities over the course of the pandemic has been Cameo. Oh. For the uninitiated, Cameo is a service where celebrities can create personalized messages for their fans. Yeah. For £75, Hordor from Game of Thrones will wish you a happy birthday. Or if you've got seven, fi 750 pounds lying around, Richard Dreyfus will put on a Jaws shirt and struggle to pronounce your name. No I've way. been asked to do Cameo. Rich, I'm sure they've come you're, and asked you as well. Yeah, they have. Of course they have. Yeah. But don't tell me that I have higher standards than Richard Dreyfus. Don't tell me that Richard Dreyfus needs the money more than I do. That, that's that's bad news. It's funny. You know why cameo... Richard Dreyfus actually needs the money from Cameo? Why? His boat's not big enough. He's got to get a bigger boat. <laughs> bigger boat. The Cameo person who reached out to me, I think they reached out and um, I think I, did, I wasn't really thinking. I, I They said, oh, you know, we'd love to. And I said, okay, cool. You know, or sounds good. A very non-committal, you know, thank you kind of response. And then I think they took that as like an interest because then they kept hitting me up with, hey, you know, these are, if you want to chat, you know, I've got these three times. And they sort of hit me up three times. And then it took a kind of like uh, obsessed stalker girlfriend kind of tone where it was like, hey, why are you dodging me? <laughs> you know, like, and the looky eyes emoji and stuff. And I'm like, oh, this is getting like, this is too intense. I just wanted something casual. I wanted a fling. I'm not sure that I, if you're going to be like this before we've even like slept together, I don't know that I want to get into a relationship with you. Yeah, I must admit that I had the same level of, without wanting to diminish your specialness in the world of these things. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. The full frontal attack of, engagement and loveliness in a way that was incredibly flirtatious and not just once twice but i because i was very on i think the first time i just very politely said no and then somebody else came along from the same company and was like well you know hey 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 this would be i think they gave me a bit of the sell of like how good it would be for me you know how it would be <laughs> oh, like, yeah, and, nice. and then i was like okay well now i'm gonna explain to you why i do not believe that is the case 
and yeah. I may have gone into some detail about how embarrassing I found it and how it was <laughs> like, you know, anyway, that I just was like, I'm not some monkey that would dance for money for people. For this. So I said, you know what? Like if there's someone, because I, really, I, I remember this now. She said, it would be really nice if one of your fans wants like a birthday message or like it's a really special occasion, like they met at one of your shows. And I was, I said to them, I was like, if that is the case, and that is the case sometimes, here's what happens. People email me or hit me up on something else and ask me to do it and I do it for free because that is a nice thing to do for somebody and it doesn't take much of my time. But I'm not going to say, by the way, could you give me $75 for that? <laughs> anyway, they they, they, they they seemed a bit shocked by my response. And so then I was like, okay, I'm done. They've, they've left me alone. Then a couple of weeks later, completely new person wanders in yeah. again. All just happy and flirtatious. Yeah, I actually, because I had the same thing where I kind of said, I, they, I didn't hear anything for a few months. And then it was like the conversation started again. And I thought, oh, and then so I asked them the second time around, I said, are you a bot? <laughs> and they said, no. And I said, prove it. And they said, how can I prove it? And I said, say something that a bot wouldn't say. <laughs> and then I didn't hear anything. And I was like, okay, well, I guess that's done. I mean, I'm sure they have their too difficult basket. And I'm sure like for the $1.50 cameos I'd be charging, I'm not worth it. <laughs> their cut would not be enough to pursue. Yeah. I mean, again, I, like, I mean, if people want to do it and like I've ordered cameos like for people mm. as fun, like I can see the fun in it. I'm not saying like people can do what they want to do. Like it's, but yeah, mm. uh, like but Richard Dreyfus. Richard Dreyfus, there's big stars on cameo. I know, but um, I mean, I'm, sure, I'm sure Snoop Dogg is on cameo. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure, of course, <laughs> somebody's going to give you money to do something. He's there. Uh, but maybe Cameo isn't enough for you. Maybe you want to find a direct engagement with a much bigger star okay. than Cameo offers. And for free, oh, this is Will Anderson. Maybe we're into Will Anderson territory. <laughs> if that's the case, I can heartily endorse not liking a Russell Crowe movie. I don't like the tone of this article. Will you with me? Oh, absolutely with you. Particularly because I know what the – response was which seemed be. quite dignified and yeah had a sense of humor about it i thought because even if it takes him a while crow will do his best to respond to your criticism uh -huh. and if you're really lucky he'll sound like an out of touch bus stop crackpot in the process okay is, it, is there another <laughs> is, what is there another tweet we haven't got to well we'll get into it i, I mean i don't I, like ricky gervais clearly name searches himself and loves to get into like you know a back and forth i have not noticed that i follow russell and i always take note of his tweets i haven't noticed gervais like behavior i have would you? like to know what's going on in ricky gervais's life do you think he has friends it feels to me like he doesn't have somebody i remember to say to an him, interview like that simon Pegg did years ago like in the 2000s, you know, sort of after Shaun and the Dead, because they had done a sketch comedy show together at some point. And I can't remember the exact quote, but I remember thinking, ah, that's very telling. Like the interview said something like, oh, and you're on this show with, you know, Ricky Gervais. Like, you know, how was that? Could you could you imagine he would go on, you know, to be such a star? And the comment was something like the lines of, it didn't matter if we thought Ricky thought he was going to be a big star. It was like a line like that that made me go, oh, yeah, he seems... Like you look at Steve Merchant now and you see the things that Steve Merchant does separate yeah. from Ricky Gervais <laughs> and what Ricky Gervais's work has lost as a result of that. And you're like, oh, yeah, that would have been unbearable. If you've seen any of the behind the scenes making of of The Office, it's like, I mean, he's an incredibly talented performer yeah. and that, you know, David Brent, I'm not saying it's not one of the greatest like comedy characters of all time. Yeah, but it was but probably a, li a little closer to Ricky's real personality <laughs> than we imagined it was. And that's why it's so good. It's why it's so convincing because he just dialed up the Ricky, didn't he? Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah. because but searching the internet for your name, when you are absolutely one of the biggest comedians in the world, one of the richest celebrities going around, a person who can do any project that they want to do and hobnob with anyone that they want to hobnob with, and you are sitting, like, if I was, like, I mean, I'm getting off social media myself now anyway, but, like, if I was Ricky Gervais, why would you be on social media? What's the point of that? And then why would you search your own name? Because he does. Like, you don't have enough in your at replies to respond to. Like, he's actually searching down tweets that just, that he's not tagged into, that nobody has alerted to. It just has his name in them. Yeah. There is that world of online that stuns me. Like, 
you know, you'll see YouTube beefs, like beefs between different YouTubers. And Ricky Gervais, I remember once, um, called someone out uh, for bagging him about something and hadn't used his hashtag, hasn't used his handle, just used his name. But Ricky had name searched himself and found it and then accused the guy of being a coward. And I'm like, but in what, like under what metric, like in what, in the Twitter universe, what is cowardly? You know what I mean? Like the whole fact is like you have created, this was a drama that did not need to happen. You know, like this is, you know, there was. The, it it and the, didn't need to happen. Like basically, because also this, like how rich and successful do you need to be? Like, like no, you're not running for office. No comedy in the entire world, particularly edgy and interesting comedy, which is what he prides himself on, if it was universally accepted as being good or acceptable, it wouldn't be edgy or confrontational or whatever the fuck he thinks he's doing. So he's actually constantly trying to defeat mm. his own argument. He's the one telling us how edgy he is and, you know, all these sort of things. And then he gets mad when people find him, like, edgy or boring or, like, whatever. Like, it's – I'm like, what horrible – it's almost like this it's is the, the price that he's had to pay for the Faustian bargain that he's made for the success yeah. of his career. Like, they've they've come to this less successful but totally ambitious young comedian, has done a deal with the devil, and he's like, you can make – one of the most influential comedy shows of all time and have a career, you know, like that will be in the envy of most of your peers. But in return, you can <laughs> never be happy. Every time your name is written, you will get a Google alert that you cannot turn off and you will have to go online and well, respond to uh, it. Who was saying to me that they've been going to therapy and it's why he's so telling people that God's not real. Yeah. Time, right. <laughs> He's like too much. It's like it's too much, man. We, we know you're covering up for a deal. You've done with the Someone devil. was telling me they've been going back to therapy, and that the therapist, um, when they went to the session, was you know seemed a bit kind of flustered, and he was like, "Oh, is everything okay?" And she's like, "Oh, just like there are so many narcissists in the world. Ninety percent of my business is narcissist. Like that's all I get through the door these days oh, yeah. is just narcissist." And I'm like, "Well, maybe that's the era we're in. Maybe well, maybe that's the real pandemic." <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> narcissism. Narcissism <laughs> is the real pandemic. I mean, I think it kind of is, you know. But also, duh. Of course, there's like more narcissists. We're literally in a world where, like, I mean, we're doing something that is essentially narcissistic, right? Like, we are now in a world where we don't have to wait for gatekeepers to tell us you can have a radio show. We're yeah. like, we'll just have our own show and we'll talk about things and people will find it interesting. That in itself, and everything is broadcast. Like, you know, podcasts, YouTubes, Instagram, like TikTok, whatever. Everybody's being told that you should be creating stuff or filming stuff or telling people where you are right now. Like that, that that's important. So every single thing that everyone's being raised on is like, essentially like forming you into being a narcissist. So, of course, it makes complete sense. On, on January 9, Ian McNabb, frontman of the Icicle Works, wrote the following about the 2003 Master and Commander film, The Far Side of the World. Lots of folk are complaining about lack of sleep during the pandemic. May I recommend Master and Commander starring the usually captivating, attention-grabbing Russell Crowe. I've never made it past the 10-minute oh, mark. Okay. You're welcome. And thanks, Russell. The tweet began to pick up steam and just nine days later had found its way to Crow himself. Now, uh, Russell yeah, Crow okay. is a very famous man who has about three yes. million followers, which is peanuts compared to The Seems Rock. Low. The Rock has like 335 million, like the pop, more than the population of the United States below The Rock. However... I mean, I've got I've got half a million, and I don't try. I just retweet <laughs> shit. Like, come on. However, Russ. despite this, he was unable to let the criticism sit. Instead, he narkily replied, "As we know, that's the problem with kids these days." Is is it narkily though? Uh, do I, I'll, I'll read it. I'll, I'll, I'll do it again. You? Yeah, okay. that's the problem with kids these days. No focus. Peter Weir's film is brilliant and exacting. Detail-oriented, epic tale of fidelity to empire and service, regardless of the cost. Incredible cinematography by Russell Boyd and the majestic soundtrack. Definitely an adult's movie. Um, I don't think it's that snarky. I mean, 
It's it's really you know what it is? It's it's like it's a film. It's defensive. Like it defends the subject of attack. He doesn't talk about himself at all because he was named as being kind of boring. He doesn't no, say fuck you. It it actually, to be honest, it actually is like it's more like just like a, yeah. a blurb. Yeah, it sounds like movie. he got it from the EPK. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's. I think he's just like he's just copy and pasted that. I think. Uh, as it as it happens, both parties were wrong here. Master and Commander yeah. was a perfectly adequate film. Now that's fucking snarky. That's snarky, bloody wow, Stuart Heritage. A perfectly adequate. It's so off British the too. That's a that is Stuart? the most British insult you, you'll ever get. It's adequate. perfectly adequate. It's perfectly adequate. Bloody Thank hell. you. Glad your queen's dead <laughs> or, or died. <laughs> It's not enough time will have passed. Uh, we're well, well, this comment comes out. It will not. The coverage will still be 24-7, regardless of when this episode comes out. We're never hearing anything but the Queen's dead for the rest of our lives. Uh and Grimanda was a perfectly adequate film, although I'd be surprised if anyone thought about it in a meaningful way from the moment the credits ended. But the important thing is that Crow reacted. So, uh, by the way, Ian McNabb, the person who wrote the original tweet, responded to Russell saying, thanks, Russell. I'm 60, but I get your point. Love unhinged greetings from Liverpool. (laughs) Well, that seems like a lovely exchange between two adults. Yeah. Right. Two grown men. I love that he responded in a fun way. He didn't, you know, he, he joined, like he kind of laughed at, he got that Russell was making a bit of a joke and he laughed it off and pointed out that he was 60. That seemed like a fun interaction. This And this article has the tone yeah. of like Sydney Confidential trying to yeah. drum up bad it's blood like, between a, two reality stars. Reasonable, yeah. Then they said this and then they, they snapped back, back this. <laughs> you know, onlookers said no. Um, yeah, so, again, okay. this is back to Stuart, the, the journalist. Again, not much new there. He reacted to uh, BAFTA editing a poem out of an acceptance speech by pinning a television executive uh, to a wall. So he's, got, he's gone, hang on, he's gone back to the poem. Though. This is like 10 years ago. There's got to be a statute. Longer. This is more like 20 years ago. It's got to be a statute of limitations on, on like, the throwing oh, the- Mate, I don't know. Do you not, are you not sure how cancel culture works? They can fucking dig up. I mean, John Wayne did an interview in 1957 where he used the N-word. Yeah. People were like, he's racist. It's like, yeah. yeah. And also, it was 1957. He, Everyone Even was for then, he was pretty racist. But, like, that shouldn't be a surprise to anybody. Um, okay. Uh, so he reacted, um, he pinned the television executive at the wall and called him a motherfucker. He reacted uh, to Paul Hotel telephone, yes. sorry, Paul, not Paul yeah, Hotel. Paul Hotel. <laughs> so it's yeah. getting late. He reacted to Paul Hotel telephone coverage by throwing a telephone yeah. at the clerk's face. This time it is different because he did it on Twitter. It, All right. And also because this is very it's different. not even. This guy is different incredibly, for every reason. <laughs> It's so different. Like, he didn't call him a mother. I'm going to write a snarky tweet to bloody Stuart fucking, what is his name? Stuart Heritage. Yeah, well, you know who a motherfucker is? Stuart Heritage is <laughs> the motherfucker here. Yeah. Uh, this time it is different because he did it on Twitter by the means of a kids these days rant. Yeah, yeah. that is precisely and again, it's fucking different. It's definitely different and also not yeah. a rant. Like, he literally. Yeah, I mean, like playfully says it's not for children. It's an adult's like movie and then just does a blurb about the movie. Okay. So he's getting to his point now, Stuart. And this is brilliant. He begins this this next paragraph. He begins very confidently. It's gone from being perfectly adequate to be adequate. This is brilliant. This is confirmation that Crow is willing to share his generalized biases with the world. And all you have to do is have an opinion on one of his films. Perhaps you could write that Cinderella... Oh, I'm going I'm to have to do his voice because he's fucking bugging me so much. Perhaps you could write that Cinderella Man felt like such a deliberate piece of Oscar bait that it failed to be emotionally captivating or that a good year felt shallow and redundant compared to with previous television adaptations or that the promotional campaign for Unhinged was more entertaining than the film itself. Either way, there's now a good chance that Russell Crowe will respond by saying, in my day, children were taught to be seen but not heard or we never... <laughs> We never used to wash our hands after going to the toilet when I was growing up. Never, what the fuck is going on? This guy is a fucking idiot. 
<laughs> what I've learned. This is a journalist having a breakdown. He's written an article about a hypothetical scenario where you could troll Russell Crowe and then how Russell Crowe might hypothetically respond because there's nothing in the original response. I hypothetically respond like... Like a, like a grumpy grandparent. We never used to wash our hands in the day after going to the toilet when I was growing up. Never did me any harm. Is it just me or are wagons wheel, wagon wheels getting smaller? Like, I feel like these are complaints that Stuart already had pinned to his desk and he's like, I've got to get these in a fucking article. Yeah, that's fucking or- crazy. Like he has extrapolated from, like you said, a, a relatively a, like dignified and – Back and Innocent, forth. Like, I mean, compared to what people say to each other on Twitter, like, this is oh, the wildest. This is the mildest. This is like Jared Waitley getting year. angry with someone. Um, yeah. This could have huge, re- huge repercussions. After all, Crow is so influential that dozens of stars might, might start joining in. It would be the Twitter equivalent of the law of attraction. What? Tell the universe. <laughs> This is like uh, this is entirely the Guardian. This is the Guardian. This is a real yes. This is a yes end. It's the equivalent of the law of attraction. Tell the universe that you didn't entirely love a film made eighteen years ago, and the universe will tell the star to inform you that you're incorrect. That's not how the law of attraction even fucking works. Is this like a comedy article? Is this like a parody piece? Maybe. Maybe it's a parody. Perhaps rolling your eyes at Bruce Almighty will bring Jim Carrey to your door. Perhaps frowning at Hulk will make, make Eric Banner say hello to you. Perhaps if you're really mean about Made Manhattan, yeah. Ray Fiennes will create a Twitter account specifically to call you a prick. It must be a comedy. Do you think? If it is, it's not funny. I mean, for, if it is, it's buried it pretty deep. Anyway, Crow is right. Kids these days are to blame for everything. Kids have got no attention spans. Kids only like superhero movies. Kids can't sit through the ponderously slow film about boats because they'd rather be watching an unboxing video on YouTube. Kids won't watch a film that doesn't have sequels, even if it's been deliberately titled to make it look like the first part of a new and exciting maritime franchise. Kids eat candy. Kids make too much noise. Kids are responsible for everything bad in the world. Ian McCabe is 60 years old. (laughs) That's not, he didn't write that last bit. That was me just in interpreting but fuck this guy <sighs> fuck this article fuck this guy <laughs> that is shit oh that God. is shit journalism <laughs> shit journalism shit everything or shit, shit comedy, comedy. Shit, it's I'm, one of the two it's shit comedy or shit journalism but either way it's shit i've just gone to i've gone to this yeah. journalist's um Twitter account, and I'm not going to give it no, out. No, no, we're not. This this no, is no, no bloody no. news agent, but I'm just having a quick scroll yeah. through. He's he's you know he's got mm. fifty almost forty forty thousand followers on Twitter. And is he a comedian? What does it say in his blurb? What's his little description? Does it say like columnists or journalists or no? It just said uh, well, it's, it's a joke. Okay. His bio just says bald. Yeah, but again, so yeah, all he's right. clearly What's he's a got a called? book. I'm just looking on the book. <laughs> How to not be oh, funny. Well, he's nailed it then. Okay. <laughs> it's a kid's book. It's called a kid's book, right. Jonathan the Magic Pony. Um, okay. So he's written okay. a couple, just little tweets. To, um, September 14th, he wrote, can't wait to tell my grandchildren that we became a republic after the great Centre Park riots of 2022. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, for anyone, this is from September 12th, for anyone planning planning the protocol following my own death, the London landmark I'd like to use as a code name is M&M's World. So still no evidence whether he's a comedian or not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so what about, what if I say, hang on, um, broken, I'm broken hearted to say that I saw a band play tribute to the Queen with a tweet comprising white text on a dark blue background Rather than the traditional black, this flippancy will not stand. What is it? Oh. Humorist? He's oh. a humorist. Oh. September 8th. In situations like this, I always feel bad for the fast twitch internet comedians in front of their ring lights paralyzed with fear. <laughs> is that the most telling tweet so far? Oh, okay. So, yeah. Well, he looks down his nose at comedy, though. Like, he's a humorist. He's in that world of like, you know, I, I think I'm very funny, but I sneer at all other comedy. Oh, goodness gracious me. I think he's a TV reviewer. 
I can't. I don't want to click any more of his links. Oh, okay, no. That was horrible. No, but you. great bit of content. Um, thanks yeah. for sending that in, thank Glenn. You. Like, makes me love Russell Crowe even more and dislike the yeah. British press, Will. The British exactly. press. You can't trust them. Okay, we're going to wrap up this episode. Before we do that, I'm just going to plug uh, a couple of things. One is our Patreon. That's the best way to support this show. Keeps the lights on, enables us to pay our bills, pay James Fosdyke, pay Podcast Mike. Um, so you can do that at tofop.com, sorry, patreon.com slash tofop. And there's a bunch of bonus content up there, um, heaps of uh, bonus episodes recorded, comic strips, Quantum Cop, everyone relax comic strips, behind the scenes photos and art. Um, so that gets updated really regularly too. Uh, so check all that stuff out and then go to tofop.com. If you'd like to get in contact with the show, you can. There's a contact page uh, on the splash page and you can check out Tofop. You can check out Two Guys, One Cup, which I know is over now, but it might as well go back. We don't really talk about football. It's not like you need to have watched the games on the weekend. And then, of course, Fofop, where Will and I alternate with special guests. Will, what have you got to promote? Uh, I have a book. It's called I Am Not Fine, Thanks, and it will be uh, available uh, I think also as an audio book, I am like planning to have to read my book out loud to record it for an audio book, but uh, so it'll be available either in uh, print form um, uh, on your devices, I believe. <laughs> I don't know. You know, I assume you'll be able to read it on a Kindle or fucking whatever, and it'll be an audio book as well. And uh, I also have a TV show that is on the ABC. It's called Question Everything. You can find it on ABC TV and ABC iView for older episodes. And that is Tough Up for this week. I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Will Anderson. This podcast is a TOEFOP production. Head to TOEFOP.com for more. Cool things for cool people.